And we are back with another episode of How About Them Celtics. Sam and I are here recording on Thursday, December 1st. And we are joined by Bobby Manning of CLNS Media and Celtics Blog. I am the Dome Theory Podcast. I had to throw that in there. How are you doing yeah. today, Bobby? Just got off the air over there. Uh, talked a little heat, this mini series with Wes Goldberg. So I, I love these. I love the fact that mm-hmm. they, they play one game. There's a little bit of tension there at the end. It was a really good game, obviously, too. And then Bam gets ejected, and the Heat sounded pissed after the game. So Jimmy's back Friday. Uh, these two teams have played a lot of good games over the last three years here, obviously. So I'm, I'm sure Friday's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. It's always tough tough nights when the uh, the Heat come to town. But before we get into the Celtics, I did want to ask you, uh, obviously, how was your Thanksgiving? I'll start with that. Great. I, that's probably my favorite holiday just because I'm a big food guy and man, there's, there's so much good mm. stuff going on. I've, I've done my Mac and cheese three years running and there was so much other stuff that like, <laughs> it didn't even get touched. So I still have pretty much all of it downstairs uh, to hold me over. I froze it and going to heat it up and have it over the next couple of weeks here. There you go. That's the best part. I, I only ask you because we talked about this on our last episode and Sam is our resident Grinch. And so I was about to ask you what you prefer Thanksgiving or Christmas, but you kind of answered there, but Sam hates Christmas as a spoiler. Alert, Except so I'm more of like a universal Grinch. I just like hate everything. Like when yeah. you guys are talking about like the, the double back to back against Miami, I'm like, I really have to watch this team again on Friday. Like I can't stand <laughs> these guys. I can't stand straight. Hey, it could I be the Hornets. It. With I hate it that he was not missing. I can't yeah. stand Bam and his illegal screens. I hate Lowry. He's a rat. I mean, like, just it just goes on and on. Like, hero, he's a pain in the ass. Like, I'm so miserable with all the things, even though, well, like, they would won. You, would you rather watch that or the Hornets coming in with, like, Kai Jones and uh, P.J. Washington? Oh, if you're going to win by 40 play. like you did on Monday, give me two games of that. Right. <laughs> I'm at the point with the Celtics where I'm actually, like, mad if they're not blowing out the other team. Like, I think they're so like they feel like they're so good right now where it's like, why are you not blowing this team out? Like yesterday, like Miami kept hanging around thanks mm-hmm. to like Struz threes or whatever. Like Lowry had a stretch where he was being an irritant and they were turning them over with the zone. And I was like, pull away from this team, man. Like you're so much better than they are. And it's just not happening. It was the first time in forever that they haven't blown out a team, even though they ended up winning by double digits. Like if I remember correctly, right. They did win by double digits, right? Yeah. By 13. Yeah. No, it was a good win. I mean, yeah, like I said, spoil the question. I assume you prefer Thanksgiving over Christmas. That was my intro. It's, it's tight, though. You know, I, there's yeah. a lot of things I like about Christmas. The basketball slate's awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. It's sort of like a week holiday right in the New Year's, which is, which yeah, is yeah. cool. Thanksgiving comes and goes fast. But, man, that food of Thanksgiving, it's it's special. I've always been a big turkey guy. Potatoes are a big favorite of mine, and I – Stuffing's a special thing you only eat once a year. So, like, that's always mm. really exciting to me. And, you know, pie's really grown on me over time, too. Like, I never used to be a big pie guy, and now I'm all about it. Apple, pumpkin, mm. not blueberry, but, you know, I'll pick at the crust. Yeah, I got you. I, I like a – I'm a pecan pie guy. That and pumpkin are my two go-tos. That's in, I don't think I've tried pecan pie ever. It's really good. It's very – like, a lot of sugar. It's like a sweet tooth thing, It's but uh, I, I love it. I love it. Yeah, I've I, never I had it. it. Very good. It's I was telling Jack the best desserts but... I've ever had in terms of like homemade was at this Friendsgiving I had. It was these peanut butter balls that were like Reese's but crunchy. It was fantastic. I had like four of them right in a row. Not not good for the uh, sickness, but 
Speaking <laughs> of desserts, Jack now is a uh, is a regular TD Garden. Nice to yeah. see him there now. And the that brownies... was on my list. I said <laughs> I was going to say. Oh man, this is the wrong page. I said, "How how is Jack at the games and media? Is he is he big time in people now?" He was saying he big time Brad Stevens the other <laughs> no, day. No, that's not hello. what I said. That I said I passed Brad Stevens in the hallway. I said hello, and before I realized who it was, because he just looks like another normal person. I was like, "Wait a second. And yeah, anyways. <laughs> so back to the desserts. Um, yeah, the brownies. There, you don't see them often, but those are as good of a brownie as you'll have if if you get the chance. I don't. I, I haven't, haven't seen it yet. recently, but when they circle back around and they bring those out, you got to make sure you grab a few of those. They're like mini ones, so you got to grab like four or five of them. All right, noted. I've been eating the cookies I, every time I leave and go up to the ninth floor. I grab a cookie and eat it up there. But yeah, get them credit. They them. they have amazing food at the garden. They do. Media. Very good. The uh, the roast beef they had the other day, the brisket, it was uh, indulged. I'll say that. Um, but uh, we have plenty of Celtics talk to talk about. Speaking of, uh, you got the jersey in the back. Let's just start there. Celtics today, as we're recording this, extended Al Horford. Two years, $20 million. Bobby, we know you're a huge Al Horford guy. Uh, I mean, just initial reactions, I guess, to the contract extension. I, I was a little surprised. I actually saw his agent at the game last night, so I guess it's not a huge surprise that he was here getting that done. Uh, and he's not surprising to see the Celtics get it done at that number. That's probably less than he would have earned if he kept rolling at this rate, yeah. 48% from three. Still one of the most versatile defenders in the league. And that was sort of in the back of my mind to start this year is the fact that like we had all talked about Grant and his extension, but Horford entering unrestricted free agency in a market where there was a lot of money was going to be tricky for them if he actually took a long look at leaving or at least pushed them to get another big contract but this time around four years later actually gave them a little bit of a hometown deal it looks like here he gets the second year which is probably the sweetener for him in there 38 years old 17 years into his career at that point he'll make a little bit over uh, 10 million dollars at that point so uh, I think it's fair for both sides here it's great to not have that worry this offseason it probably actually gives them a little bit more leverage against Grant the fact that they will have Horford here if they really do have to make the tough decision to let him go and say he gets $20 million or something north of that. Also great. You know, you look at their books and all that to see it go from 26.5 million to uh, 9.6 million. That's a big difference. And you can almost use the difference there to pay grant that 16, 17 million. That would probably be the compromise point between the two different prices that we've seen thrown out there around grants value. So you know, you might have Grant and Horford next year for less combined, or at least the same um, as they were both making last year. Yeah, that's yeah. huge. It's so funny. You were the first person I thought of today when I saw the news. I was like, Bobby is a big Horford guy. He's got the Horford jersey in the background. We're going to have him on today. This is the most perfect news to break this morning. And it's funny because when the trade happened over the summer last year, we we had had you on right before that or right after, and we were both pumped about it. We were both calling for Horford to come back to the Celtics before it actually happened. Jack, I always will bring it up to him. Like I was telling you, I was like, he'd be a perfect fit. I don't, I wish he never left. He would have been perfect. It's great that they secured him for so little money. Taking a pay cut to stay is something I thought would happen the first time he was here. It did not, but I was right the second time. So it's definitely something to be happy about. And he's still playing at such a, High yeah, I don't. I was just about to three. say, I, I don't think he's getting enough credit for the start. He's starting at center, playing more minutes than last year. There's certain nights where the backups don't even get a minute. 
and he's just out there pretty much the whole game uh, playing even better than last year feels like of course from three he's, he's just been unbelievable but passing the outlet passes and all the uh, different high post reads that he makes those are as crucial to the offense as anything else they do and he's obviously one of the better screeners as well in this offense that screens a ton and it, he's had to pick up the slack here going back to what marsh for Rob's injury, because Rob really hasn't been right or available, period, since that injury uh, in late March. So he's had to double his efforts. He stayed consistent. He came back in even better shape than last year. It looked like I remember just how he looked at camp. It was tremendous. And uh, he's going to continue to be a mainstay here. And this is, you know, obviously me being the fan of him that I am. For him to probably retire a Celtic, which is what this deal probably sets up here, it's going to be really special because he is going to go down as one of the guys, um, and especially if they win a championship here over the next couple of years, who really changed things after um, after the couple of years there where they were in the middle of the league or even the bottom of the league after the KG years. Uh, you know, almost got them to rant that after he arrived there, um, you know, got them a bunch of other stars, whether Hayward or, you know, whoever else ended up coming through here, helped develop Rob Tatum Brown and all these young guys that are obviously the stars of the roster. Now uh, he's, he's going to have a really special place in Celtics history. And, you know, if they win a championship, you might, you might think about putting 42 up there. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I think he's going to have to have a couple more really good years here, but there's, there's a lot of guys, obviously you'll think about if they win a mm-hmm. championship here, of course you think zero is going to go up there eventually if, if he plays mm-hmm. his whole career here. For 36. sure. 36 that's the other contentious one i guess you could argue but contentious well I, i'm if just they want to title argument. with smart that's easy money again we're all gonna guy. if they win a championship we're all gonna be like 42 36 yeah. zero, so like it'll be every number they'll be 40 will be up there for luke cornett <laughs> yeah right <laughs> no but al horford like you mentioned uh career high 4.4 threes a night he's shooting right now 48.8%, which you have to imagine probably isn't that sustainable throughout the season. But if you can keep it above 40, that's still, a you know, close to a career high for him. Um, last time he shot that well, he was an all-star in Boston shooting 43% from three. Um, playing a phenomenal season. I, I do want to ask you, though, you mentioned the Grant thing. Do you think part of the reason why the Celtics didn't sign Grant to a number he wanted because they were not sure if Horford would take this discount? Like, do you think they were waiting to see, okay, let's see what Horford agrees to, and then we can agree to pay Grant because they didn't want to get over a certain amount, like in that aspect? Uh, it's a tough question. Cause I wasn't really, I, I I'd been tuned a little bit on the Grant negotiations and what was going on there. I really didn't hear anything about Horford negotiations. So that's why it kind of took me as so much of a surprise that they got that done. Um, Maybe it had something to do with how hot he started and them just want to get ahead on that. Maybe they want to see what he looked like into this season and then go from there. I'm sure it's a little bit of all of those things there. And then you have to loop in the Grant uh, situation as well. Maybe the fact that they didn't get something done with Grant increased the urgency a little bit to lock Horford up there and not potentially lose uh, two guys. I mean, they couldn't lose both of them, especially with Rob's health. Yeah, like They, they just would have been so thin. Even losing one of them is going to be tricky there. Um, and I love Luke, but, you know, the fact that they have like four guys in rotation there eventually is what's really going to make them strong in the front court. So I, I don't really know what like connect connectedness there is between the Grant and the Horford negotiations. Um, I just know that they were pretty far apart on Grant um, in terms of those numbers. And we'll see how that reconciles himself. Like, I think Grant was right 
to have that really high, high number for himself. I remember seeing 20 yeah. the first time in that, in that Fisher report and being like, wow. But you start to do look around the league at who's getting what and what those numbers are eventually going to be. And you understand him looking at, looking at that cap spike and saying, all right, I want to be in line with some of the even bigger contracts that are going to be signed then. Because if he signed for like 10 or 11 or whatever, that'd be pennies once the cap spikes, like just a tiny, tiny percent. And that doesn't change under a new cap. It's all based on the first year. So for guys like him who are going to sign and then see the cap increase later in their contract, you understand them having like a really high expectation right now. And does he hold that into the off season? We'll see. He's obviously having a tremendous year uh, so far, although he's been a little quieter in November, I've noticed. So we'll see what happens with his season. He's great. I think they both were smart for taking the positions that they did. Uh, the high number for Grant and the lower number for the Celtics there. And I think there's a possibility that they could settle in the middle, but you do risk the team really coming over the top if he has a huge year and, uh, investing huge, huge money in him in at that point. I think I was looking this morning. Um, if he gets $20 million a year, that's $35 million in tax alone next year uh, before you sign three more guys to round out the roster. So uh, it, it does get steep at that point. I think they're paying forty five this year, so it's probably equal just because of that great Horford decrease you're getting right now. That's another reason this, this deal is so key for Horford here. Um, but it does. I think it's got some relation to the grant. It's hard to separate those two. Yeah, Grant's certainly working for that money. He's <laughs> yeah. he's been balling out too. Dove on the floor yesterday. That was a big play. Offense. I mean, mm-hmm. he he's been balling out. He's been shooting well. He's he's learning to drive off the closeouts now and become more of just a stationary shooter in the corner. And he's still playing defense. He he definitely could get paid by one of those lesser teams. That's what bad teams do. They throw money around. I think yeah, of Charlotte. I, yeah, I think of Charlotte. I think of Detroit. I think there's mm-hmm. money out there for him this summer. Like I yeah. really do. So it's going to be a challenging question for the Celtics with him because I think he's so important. I think he's great in the room. I think he's super versatile. And he's sort of part of your succession plan after Horford, right? Like you hope that at some point those guys kind of hand the torch to each other and grant yeah. your power forward alongside Rob once Horford kind of takes that step back closer to 40. So losing that, it obviously took them years to develop Grant into what he is now. It's not easy to develop bigs. It doesn't happen fast. So you might just have to eat that money and have a really expensive roster that's contending for championships. The hard part is that you have Brown and Tatum extensions coming up. And obviously, (laughs) like you look at Tatum and what he's doing right now, he's all NBA for like the next however many years. So he's getting $300 million uh, in 2024. And then Brown... He's been a little up and down, but the scoring numbers make you think he can at least challenge for all NBA over the next two years. So that's $300 million right there as well, and you do have to factor that in alongside those late end years of what Grant's contract would be, and those are obviously usually the higher numbers on a contract. So you're looking at like Warriors, Nets-type luxury tax bills at that point, and mm-hmm. you know every team has a line, and – that's how you end up kind of losing. The Warriors just lost Porter, uh, Porter, Payton, and you know they might lose Green here. So everybody loses guys. Yeah. For the Celtics, it might be Grant. Yeah, I mean, preaching to the choir here. I'm a bit, a bit biased in the Grant talks, but I think the Celtics should have brought him back. If, if um, they but... don't pay him, that money goes away, right? They they have flexibility just yeah. for their own guys. Yeah, and they don't have picks, so it gets tougher to replace them. But you know, is Hauser mm-hmm. part of that? Do they find other guys? Like it's. You're not going to find Grant. Like, you're not going to find yeah. another Grant 
you just sort of have to make it work. Like it's just, that's why the luxury tax is there to, for balance and helping other teams get guys like that and making sure you don't have like a warrior situation. So it's going to be tough. And this is just sort of what happens with great teams. Great. You know, everybody sort of gets their success and, you know, they earn their contracts. And I think, again, he's right to be asking for the big money. He's been making what three, four million bucks here the last couple of years. And this yeah. is his chance for that improvement that he made to get his payday. So we'll see what happens there. At least they have him for this year. Yeah. And I think that's the benefit of having, I mean, you look at like the, the big players on the roster, smart white Brogdon all under contract for a little while here. So you can afford to pay the big luxury tax for a couple seasons. And then I guess you'll have to figure out where to go from there. Cause by this time, smart white and Brogdon are at the end of their deals. They'll be what around 32, 31 ish, like entering their early thirties, Maybe they take a discount like Horford, but at that point you're still looking at probably another contract of full money. Um, so so it gets hard, and then like like you're talking about, like you have to make choices, and like the Warriors had to make choices with Kevon Looney, Gary Payton, Celtics might have to make similar choices when it comes down to the smart white Brogdon trio. Um, and then even before that, like deciding who you want to pay up to that point. Brown, Hopefully, I mean, yeah, Brown too. You can't forget Brown's the big one because listen, you're gonna pay billion dollars for Tatum if they needed to (laughs) they're putting themselves in a position right now where they have to pay Brown Tatum money and I think they'll do it like you know like the the choice isn't like you know stay or leave but they'll be deciding next summer whether they offer him that supermax potentially because you don't know Mm -hmm. until the year after whether it becomes a supermax or just the, the normal max and Brown will be asking for the supermax and they'll have to give it to him to get an extension done at that point and you'll be thrilled if you can get that extension done and have brown and tatum locked up together at that point but then uh you have tatum and brown making like those uh rudy westbrook uh whatever you know whoever else was on the supermax deal equivalents and you know what's that going to be under the new cap uh 60 60 million (laughs) seven it's going to be insane what those guys those contracts i just love Sam hates hates those. Yeah, it's hard to imagine what these numbers are going to look like under this new cap Mm -hmm. coming up. So uh, that's where you know Grant shaves a little bit off the bottom end of that, and you know he might be the guy who you have to let go to keep Brown here long term. And those are the kind of tough decisions you have to make if uh, if you're going to keep this team together. Yeah, it's brutal. Sam and I had like a. uh... We do a pregame show before bad. the games, and uh, we, we talked for like 10 out of our 30 minutes about Bam Adebayo's contract, because obviously the Heat's contract books are their own problems, I guess. You got Lowry with 30 mil, Duncan Robinson with 19, Jimmy Butler going to be making 50 in a couple years, uh, and we talked about Adebayo, and Sam, what was your argument? You you effectively, like, we, what was it? I, I believe that started because I made a comment about he makes the same money as Tatum and like, look what Tatum's doing. Yeah. And Jack's which, point of view, which is we, I think we both had points that were right. Was yeah. I mean, not every guy that makes that money is going to be equal. Like they can still be good and worth the money yes. in different degrees. And I'm such like a, like a cash grab guy where I'm like, Oh man, like you can't pay that guy that, that much money. You're not gonna be able to pay anybody <laughs> to like lead your team. Yeah. And- That's the thing with Grant. Like, if they paid Grant eighteen million in the extension or whatever, would have gotten it done. I think uh, the report that was out there was that like sixteen might have got it done or something like that. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're looking at Grant, and it, it, it's a different level of expectation, right? And Horford sort of went through this when he got the big money here to bring it back to him. Remember, uh, 
it was like 10 points, seven rebounds, three assists. And everyone would be like, this is what 30 million gets you. <laughs> like that first time That was around, the big narrative with Horford. People, yeah, people, people didn't appreciate him as much. And that's sort of what Grant is going to be on this new deal. Like what does Grant get this year? He's averaging like what, 10 and four and, you know, maybe an assist or two. Obviously, like there's little intricacies. We know like the value he brings in terms of how he can guard every position. And like he's a lot like Al. He really is. I, then yeah. all of a sudden at 20 million, that becomes a little harder to appreciate than at the rookie deal. So mm-hmm. that's something fans are going to have to go through at that point, too. But, uh, you know, to your BAM point, Sam, the Celtics got really lucky here when we started to look at this money situation. Because <laughs> if you remember, he signed that. Um, that like designated player extension and he didn't get the all nba that year i forget what year that yeah. was. Oh, Tatum, yeah so they would have been hitting the tax last year and then they would have been hitting the repeater tax a year earlier um you know so all this stuff would have been sped up a little bit at that point if they didn't get that break with him we'll see if they get that break with brown here but i haven't really stacked up the all nba race it's it's obviously not decided by this year but this is sort of that preview year with brown right mm-hmm. where we're like all right is he capable of getting all NBA and reaching that status. Cause obviously if yeah. he gets it this year, that probably makes it a little bit easier for him to get it in the future. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. They've both been like nuclear to start the season. Brown, Brown's yeah. a little bit sloppier than Tatum, but man, like they both just go out and get 30 night. Like it's nothing. Yeah. Who are your four, who are your forwards? Like you know, it's a whole segment. I'm sure. For all star or all NBA, all NBA. It's, it's okay. like, it's Durant, Tatum. Uh, well, Giannis is sort of that big forward mix. I don't really know how that, that's how the problem with this too. Now. Is like who plays what position now? Like is Luca a forward? Well, is he a, a guard? Like yeah, is Jimmy Butler what, a forward? What's Brown? Is he a guard? Is Brown, Brown a forward, a forward or a guard? Or guard? <laughs> it's that's a good question too. Yeah, I guess you because well, like Anthony ahead, Davis. Yeah, no, it, it's tough. Like if you take injuries into account, it's even harder because like Embiid's going to come back eventually. You know, you got Siakam who's going to come off his injury eventually. And he was ridiculous to start the season before he got hurt. Um, like you said, Bobby Durant's there. Um, Tatum, obviously Giannis. You got a lot of forwards there. And then if Brown make a third team, he can Brown. Yeah. yeah. Well, is he a guard or a forward though? That's the question. Cause like, that's where it gets tough because then that's if I had choose, I'd say forward. I feel like he plays forward more than guard. I agree, but isn't that what happened to Tatum? Like vo- half the voters voted for him as a guard, and so the votes got like all wonky. And like Kyrie made it an All NBA team that year with less votes than Tatum, but Tatum was a forward because some people voted. Like they, like they just need to make it fifteen players and get rid of the like. Everyone talks about positionless all the time, except we still do positions for all the things that matters. Like I saw you tweet about Marcus Smart potentially making the All Star team, but like only six guards can make the All Star team because at least X amount can you know two have to be in the starting lineup, two on the bench, and then there's only two reserves, and then you have like what the two guards on the Hawks, the two on the Cavs at least. Brunson's in the mix, Tyrese Halliburton, Drew Holiday, like. Like it's ridiculous the field, uh, how much talent there is in the league nowadays, and the fact that they haven't sort of gone to this positionless. We're just gonna have X amount of players is like con- confusing. I don't really know what the deal is. Yeah, it's tough because there's still positions to some degree, and it's still sort of part of the the way we talk about the game. But yeah. we know things have changed drastically to the point where Smart's guarding centers and Jokic is the point <laughs> guard and. Yeah, it's at least from a voting perspective, I think it'd make a lot of sense to get rid of them. And last year was the best example of that with Jokic and Embiid. I mean, they both should have been first team. 
there's really no reason why they shouldn't. Yeah, that was um, bad. But, you know, the other <laughs> argument, I guess, is that throughout history, like, there's there's been great players who have been second team because they were at the same position. And you, you would sort of be changing that to some degree if you switched up these rules. So I don't know how they're going to handle that. I think they started to a little bit last year by saying, like, the most votes you get at a position are going to all count toward your All-NBA. And that's how yeah. uh, Embiid ended up being the second team last year. But um I don't know. Everyone's going to try to figure it out on their own. I know a lot of voters are saying, like, we're going to vote Embiid as a forward just to get him in there, but it didn't work. <laughs> yeah, I saw I saw a lot of people try. I saw the votes. But anyways, circling back around to the Celtics, while we were talking about Grant uh, and Horford, Robert Williams kept coming up. Obviously, he's sort of inching closer to that return date. Christmas was named uh, by, I think, Woj. Uh, talked about Christmas as a possible return date for him. Um, but the point is the Celtics, who are the best team in the NBA in 18-4, are now getting back their all-defensive second-team center, who you know was a big game-changer for them last year. And I know we talked about this on our pregame show yesterday before the first Miami game. Uh, I know you've talked about it, and I think you wrote about it too. The defense is going to be great with Rob, right? Like he'll, He should improve it on that end. But you talk about a switch on offense where – every single player who touches the floor for the Celtics right now can shoot threes. And that's kind of their identity. They just shoot a bunch of threes and it works because they make a bunch of threes, but Rob can't do that yet. At least maybe in a couple of years, if we want to talk about Rob building a three point shot. Sure. But right now it's sort of like, you're going to have to find a way to integrate him into that offense. Do you, do you think there's going to be any road bumps in doing so? I, I think there is. And that might be the one thing that slows this team down right now is that process of reintegrating him. Like they're almost going to have to, slow down themselves to make sure that he can be part of what they're doing here because like you said they don't miss him at all right now the way this is rolling like maybe against cleveland or whatever you you have some trouble against some of those bigger teams early this year like chicago Uh, so you want him to be part of the picture i think eventually if he's right it'll be a fairly seamless fit because i think joe's big thing is that they can play many different ways they tried double big early with like vonley and horford but it didn't work I think he's willing to go back there if they need to. And obviously you would against the Cavs team or someone like that. Uh, but overall, like I think he likes small ball. I think he likes the shooting and spacing and all the pace that they play with. So I think there's a pretty straight path to Rob going to the bench and at least in the immediate future, doing what Cornette's done. And I know that seems like a small role for a guy who was so instrumental last year, but you got to see what, sort of shape he's in Uh, like where's he at does he need to take nights off like I feel like it's going to be a slow build-up for him even when he does return Uh, so the bench makes a lot of sense for him to be there dominate the opposing second units you remember he did that that first year he really started playing in 2020 2021 Uh, so it's it's going to be tricky I, I really hesitate to take White out of the starting lineup. Like I think that was Joe's best move as coach so far is putting him in there. He's still shooting lights out. I think he's 45% now from three. He's really the reason that they're the best offense ever right now. Uh, the fact that he's been shooting like this and screening. Like I think his screening was such a big deal and probably a big reason that they started him over Grant and some other options there. And it's nice to have that extra ball handler too, to take pressure off everybody when needed. He's been awesome. Uh, it was almost I said this coming into the year there was a case that you were going to be better off with White there instead of Rob just because of the fact that White's a better screener than Rob and that's another thing Rob's going to have to kind of develop here is better screening so much of this offense now is screening you talk about all the shooting that they've implemented now uh, now Jack 
there's a lot of things that they do differently now compared to last year. Last year it was a lot more like straight pick and roll Tatum and Rob and that worked for Rob. Now, like it's a lot of off ball stuff and positioning and spacing of course as well. And those aren't really strengths of Rob's game. So I'm interested in what they're going to do with him. Um, I'm to your point. I think there's going to be some bumps along the way trying to reintegrate him, but maybe I'm wrong. I mean, double big last year, you actually look at that lineup that that lineup had a better offensive rating than the white, lineup this year by like three points like that's how dominant they were last year for all the credit this team's getting for its offense so if he's himself and he's Rob right away like the Rob we saw at his peak last year he'll probably be in the starting lineup again pretty quickly I think the point you made about the Cornette role is so great because we've seen Luke Cornette flourish in that role and he's him, right? <laughs> yeah. Like he's himself and he's shooting 68% from the field, at least as of before yesterday's game, I'm pretty sure he had a good game again, at least in the minutes he played. Rob's going to be able to fit into that role at the very least. And showing that the team can play with Cornette doing that, and he's not as good as Rob should encourage you as, as a fan to believe he's going to be able to fit. It might not happen right away. I think that's an, a good point too, because they have just been firing threes the whole season. Having a guy out there consistently that isn't doing that is going to be a big change for them. But they should be able to deal with it. If, if they can play with Luke Cornette, they should be able to play with Rob, even if it has to be in small doses. It's a great point. Yeah, and, and yeah. Luke's been great. He'll still be an option as an emergency guy if necessary. Um, He's been fantastic. I mean, just think about like what we expected from Cornette before the season, and he is like not only went like a step up, but like two steps up. I had high expectations. I was one of the few. <laughs> you remember when he first arrived? Like, he did some things. Like, and I remember mm-hmm. Brad, like, raving about him. And you were wondering if it was, like, just kind of get Brad being Brad. And He's only, that. like, on Twitter. He's yeah. still Luke Cornette. But, like, the way he covered the pick and roll, and obviously he can block shots, and he's just massive. There was something there. And they deserve a lot of credit for really refining that main last year and behind the scenes. Uh, this is really like, and you know, Hauser's this guy too. Like they haven't had these end of the bench guys who just stun you because of their development. And now they have two, which is another reason that this team's just such a monster right now. So uh, credit to Maine. I thought that Maine group last year was really great. The coaching staff like did a lot of the things that this team's doing now. And I think he was just perfectly positioned to step right in. And, uh, you know, these other guys, to go back to that contract situation, they have Cornette signed here for a couple of years for nothing, and Hauser signed yeah. for, you know, three years Hauser really for nothing. Hauser really nothing. So, yeah, they, <laughs> those are – we always look at the heat and are like, why can't the Celtics have these guys? Well, now they do. Exactly. And I, I said this uh, before the game yesterday. It really puts into perspective, if you look at the heat, how, like, people – look at players based on their contracts. Like last year, everyone like Duncan Robinson last year is just a bust, right? He was terrible, blah, blah, blah. Max Struess is shooting worse than him from three this year. And, but he, he makes minimum, <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. Of course. But, but he yeah. like makes a minimum. And obviously I think Struess can do other things on the court that Robinson can't do. Cause he's more athletic and he's a better defender, but like Struess is shooting worse than Robinson did last year. But since Robinson made 19 million last year, everyone came for him uh, because he shot worse. But Max Struess this year, the tail off, it's, I don't know. It, it just puts it into perspective. And like you said, even I wrote about Hauser uh, a couple days ago. Like they haven't had a shooter on the roster like Hauser in ever. Like what Eddie House is the name that I think of when I think of the last time they had just like a bench shooter like, like that. And it's like they had Grant Williams last year. 
Um, Peyton Pritchard, uh, his rookie year was pretty good in that role. But outside of those two, like you're talking about a guy who can come off the bench and shoot 40% from three. The Celtics have been searching for that for like so long. Like they tried Shemi Ojala, he didn't work. They tried Aaron Neesmith, he didn't work. Like they brought in all these guys and they finally found it uh, as an undrafted free agent. Uh, and they, they developed him into what Sam Hauser is, which is like, it's game changing when you have that sort of depth and you can identify that sort of thing coming out of the draft. So I, I think that's been huge for the Celtics. And obviously, I mean, Hauser's been phenomenal. Phenomenal. Look at that. There you go. Shout out to the <laughs> shirt. Um, circling back quick to Robert Williams. I, I think it's funny to talk about how, you know, let's stick Robert Williams in the Luke Cornette role, right? Cause like just, phrasing it that way is funny but i think it's very true like you said like he's not going to be the type of guy to spread the floor he's not going to be al horford he's not going to be able to just sit on the three-point line set screens and fade out i I think you have to have him setting screens at the elbow for tatum and then running the lob on the back cut stuff like that like setting a screen for smart obviously robert williams marcus smart had great chemistry last year you hope they can reignite that now with Derek white and malcolm brogdon to throw him lobs too the vertical spacing will improve but i i mean it's tough to imagine there not being challenges with that because of how reliant they are on three point shots. And I know that's something Sam complains about because he doesn't love the analytic three point ball, but like it's come to the point where the threes they're shooting are getting them out of some tricky situations because the defense hasn't been great or they're turning the ball over. And it doesn't matter because Malcolm Brogdon walks up the floor and nails a three yeah. and yesterday, kind of especially problem solved. Exactly. So, well, those quick three, yeah. you know, one of the things Joe's talked about is the fact that, like, the quick threes are getting the turnovers down because they're not dribbling around a lot. They're taking open shots sooner in the possessions. And, and that's had a real impact. Before last night where they kind of had a big turnover night with 16, they were top five uh, with in turnover percentage. And they were, I think, middle of the league last year. Playoffs was a disaster. I think they were 11th out of the 16 playoff teams in turning the ball over. So, uh, those that approach has had an impact there. And, um, you know, I'd never really heard that before, but it makes sense that they're sort of just firing the ball to smart early in these possessions or Horford and getting those guys, those open looks and they're hitting them at a pretty high rate. Even smarts like 43% this month. So yeah, I'm with you, Sam. I, I kind of was skeptical of the approach. You saw some of the totals early this season and some of their up and down results. And you're like, man, are they about to like do this again because they kind of did that under brad right they really like to heave they had they bought into those analytics they want to be like the warriors and jazz and some of those teams but now like the executions at such a high level and you have so much shooting and those percentages sort of way out over you know the regular season or even night in night out some guys are going to be hotter some guys will be colder and it levels out around that 40 percent mark but they can just have these big margins and, uh, you know, it's hard to argue with it anymore. It, it's working. It's sort of their bread and butter in terms of how they dominate. And other teams really struggle, especially if they're not teams that are super comfortable getting in those three-point battles, three-point races. They struggle to keep up. Even at Dallas, Dallas is pretty similar to them in terms of that rate that they shoot threes at, and they were chasing the whole time. Teams are chasing them. And last night, again, 14-2 to open. That sets a real tone on a game. Like starting starting the game is so important, and I'm sure the stats out there that say like you go up that much early, you're gonna be in a great spot. I think they've gone up by ten in all but three of their games so far, and obviously they only have four losses. So those leads are holding. They have a couple games like last night where they just have that lead for the entire second half. They they never gave up the lead last night after like the middle of the second. Uh, so this is 
this approach, like it's impossible to argue with. I don't like it aesthetically, Sam. You, you're still wondering what's going to happen when yeah. it comes down there and what their other options are going to be. They're not a great team at the rim outside of the Jays. Uh, they, they do shoot a decent amount of free throws, but they're not really elite in that category. And their transition game's good, but it's not, they don't use it at like one of the highest rates in the league. So once that shooting comes down to earth a little bit, I'm super interested to see what that, where, where that goes. And, you know, Rob coming back could be one of those things that brings it down just a little bit as they try to work him in. Obviously, he's not a guy who shoots them, but the spacing thing we keep talking about, he he sort of just stands out there sometimes, Jack. If he's not involved in a pick and roll or some sort of action, like he can just sort of be standing there in that dunker spot. Yeah. How crazy would it be if we talk about all this and Rob just comes back? <laughs> he just starts shooting them. I wouldn't like, be shocked just... to see him shoot mid-range because he's done that yeah. in the past. He's been decent. He's been decent from like right around the elbows, a little bit farther out. And he's that was sort of Bane's That was sort of Bane's process, right? He was shooting a lot yeah. of 16 footers and then he became a three-point shooter. He started in the corners. Bane yeah. Baines was the man. He he oh, had the look. Bane. He he had the funny looking <laughs> jump shot when he would shoot a three and he would he made him. He was pretty reliable when he was here, at least. Yeah. I think he's playing in Australia this year after that obviously Which terrible is good injury. Yeah, uh, so yeah. yeah, I gotta keep a, keep an eye on what he's doing out there. Hopefully, he can make it back to the league. There was yeah. a quick uproar uh, uproar over the summer when people heard out he was working out for teams, and they were like, "The Celtics better be in there, and they better <laughs> take him because they don't have any big men." Yeah. And there, there was the the slight opening for that Baines return. It did not happen. Celtics fans will take a Shane Lark, like any name a player in history, and Celtics fans will take them back. Anytime. I'm still begging for Isaiah to sit on the end of the bench. I don't really care <laughs> yeah. if he plays or not. I think he deserves to be there. Well, I wanted him back during that COVID stretch last year. It was almost a year yeah. ago now when everyone was getting signed. They did Joe Johnson, so whatever. But I feel like that was that was the chance to bring him back and sort of close mm. the book on that because it's still. Noah Vonley's wearing four now, and like they, you know, he, yeah, Isaiah was in town right for that smart event, but he he didn't show up to the game. There's still sort of mm-hmm. something cold and awkward I was at there. that game. I was I was expecting him to be there. I was super pumped. I was going with my friends. I'm like, oh man, like Isaiah. Oh, could you imagine the place would have went insane? I know. Yeah, it's one of those things. There's got to be some sort of bad. I don't want to say bad blood, but like you well, said, he tweeted about just... it. He's tweeted out about it before, being like, I've tried everything. They don't want me back. Pretty much, I remember yeah. he said that. He said that in a presser, and yeah, I think he tweeted something about like there was sort of an injury situation on the team, and he was like, "Oh, I've heard of that before." Something with Rob, I think. So yeah, there's still something cold with with them and the, him and the organization. Yeah, well, I I feel like like you said, Bobby Vonley wearing four, it just might be time to move on and abandon. Carson those Edwards things, but, uh... was first. <laughs> True, I forgot about that. Edwards That's didn't. right. Yep. Um, moving on, let, let's talk briefly about Jason Tatum because you know he is the guy uh, on the Celtics, Jason Tatum scored 49 points, kind of a cheap 49, uh, really 47 until Bam out of bio gifted him two more at the end of the game uh, against the heat almost got that 50 piece, but um, there's not really much to complain about when it comes to Tatum this year. He's, he's like, I'll have some rough shooting nights. It is what it is. Like he'll shoot poorly, but then he'll go to the free throw line 20 times or, or he'll, he'll have a bad shooting night, but he'll play elite defense. And he's been the defensive anchor. I wrote about it. He's playing the free safety role. He's one of the better on ball guys they have. He's guarding John Morant. He's guarding like Donovan Mitchell. He's doing everything for the Celtics. Um, and he's scoring 30 a night. Like as much as everyone talks about it, it still doesn't feel like Jason Tatum gets talked about enough. Cause that's how good he's been this season. Yeah, that what's in my mind right now, and I guess I'll ask you guys because I've sort of kicked this around the last couple of days, is is he the best player in the league right now? And we, we don't know it yet because I think you still give the benefit of the doubt to the 
guys who have won championships and done it year in yeah. and year out. Because you know, if you asked me last year if he if he could be number one, I'd say like, all right, is he able to do this at this level and this consistency, like a Giannis, like a Curry, like Jokic, and some of those other guys in bead that were above him a year ago? I had a tough time getting there just because inconsistency was sort of part of his game last year. He'd have those rough shooting nights or those nights where he had to learn to do other things because the scoring wasn't quite there. Now the, the passing's there every night, the, the scoring and shooting's there pretty much every night. And defensively, that's what really puts him up there for me. Cause some of those other great players, Giannis aside, obviously they're not quite at that level defensively. In fact, many of them are uh, a little deficient defensively. So that's a huge feather in his cap. I'm not going to say he's number one. I'll still give the deference to Giannis just because of how much weight he carries and just how dominant he is defensively because he's at another level than Tatum is. He's defensive player of the year caliber. But if we look back a year from now and Tatum's doing this night in and night out and this is who he is, like he's like Durant or something, which is pretty much what he's been now. You'll look back and say, oh, geez, November 2022, he was the best player and we didn't even know it. So I don't like you sort of want to get ahead and claim it, but I don't know if he's past Giannis yet. He he has got me at a whole new level of confidence. I think since I've really like religiously watched the Celtics, like I was at the very back end of the big three when I was old enough to really like appreciate what was going on. And Jack's the same way. Mm -hmm. This is the most. I felt like I can rely on a player to get a team a win in the past. It was always like the Celtics are going to close this game. They don't have the best closer. The other team is going to be more calm. Tatum has just silenced any of that. He came out in the second half last night when things were kind of up in the air and he made back-to-back threes multiple times. It wasn't just one time and he iced it. (laughs) He did it twice. He's Mm -hmm. crazy. And he can get the free throw line now. That's a yeah, huge step up. That's for the him. big thing. That That is usually the telltale thing when the guy is making the jump to the next level is he's getting free throws. And maybe all the complaining has finally paid off. Yeah, it, well, there's <laughs> a little bit less complaining, which I love. I didn't love it. that ejection in Montreal and stuff. That kind of set up to the league or to the year. But that uh, he hasn't had many issues with those. But I think the key for him has been getting off the ball. And I, I'm stunned at how much he's screening. If we throw it back a year ago, that's probably when he was just starting to screen for the first time. Now he's doing it all the time. He's, he's in the high mm-hmm. post against the zone there. That zone, it's, I wrote about that yesterday. How big of a deal was that two years ago? And now it's just like, oh, it's the zone, 49. There you go. <laughs> like, <laughs> you don't even think about it now. But he's just advanced so much, and so much of it is a willingness to do all these little things that other players, you look at them and you're like, why don't you do these things? And it's pride or it's just comfort or whatever it is. He seems to be willing to do all the little things to keep rising that make you think like, all right, this guy certainly has the chance to be better than Pierce if he wins a title here. But like you keep seeing his name with Bird more often and like he's only 24. So he's going to get to 27 in that prime stretch there. Like you really start to think on this progression that he's on. And this is a great franchise here. He could be the greatest Celtic ever when it's all said and done. If he stays on this progression, just because of that willingness, just because of his personality and like how sort of affable he seems to be to improving and playing team basketball and doing all the little things. I've been super impressed by his leadership off the floor, too. Obviously, you're kind of keeping track of his quotes night in, night out, Jack. Like a, re- a lot of really uh, great ownership over a lot of the things that they need to do. And 
giving different mm-hmm. guys on the team credit. Like I've heard him kind of do an extended shout out to Blake and Noah and guys up and down the lineup. They obviously got smart involved in that Sports Illustrated shoot. So like there's a real ownership over leadership this year from him that I think is important too. And that's sort of where you have the situation where everybody's in the line. I think Brown gets a lot of credit for embracing this number two role, even though I think you get that sense from him that he really thinks he can be a number one guy. Mm-hmm. But it's gonna the way that they're gonna win is for him to position himself into a number two role behind Tatum in terms of how they play. And Tatum, you need your you need your best player to be a great passer, and that was always the challenge for him. I always saw he had potential there, but I didn't know if it was gonna be consistent to go back to that again. And now you know the assist numbers aren't quite there for him individually, but you see him set a tone with just how easily he gets off the ball and moves it and moves himself without the ball. Uh, that really makes this offense deadly. You have to think, Wes, uh, to go back to Dome Theory that I just recorded, um, I guess said he probably learned some of that from Curry in that final series. Mm-hmm. And the way that the Celtics' offense is operating with him being that off-ball mover and screener, there's a lot of similarities there. And, if man, if he's doing his best Curry impersonation at his size mm-hmm. and at his skill, the, it's going to be crazy. It's it, like It is really – it's really something what this has become because we've seen him grow the whole way. Right. And he's gone through these different roles and he's gone through these struggles and ups and downs. And now it's just his team. It's his city. It's mm. his, it's his kingdom here. And he's doing a great job overseeing it. Yeah, and like you said about the, the quotes and leadership thing last year, it was a lot of, yeah, we, we got to do what we do to get better. And it was this, not necessarily like short responses, but it was yeah, like some deference the same response. It. Remember the captain thing exactly. too? They tried to name captains and he was rolling mm-hmm. his eyes. And I think about that all the time. And, yeah. It's the <laughs> same different. one. It's smart. <laughs> same if they want to give Tatum captain now, I bet he would, he would accept it. But yeah. I don't know. They might not want to go back to that. <laughs> but yeah, but but like you said about the best player in the world, I think Giannis probably still gets that nod. But I had a discussion on Twitter with someone who – like I, I tweeted out how um Luca was like above Tatum in the rankings after the Mavericks played the Celtics, and I was like, how? Like Tatum it's just dominated. Without directly. the defense, it's impossible. Like you gotta, That's what I'm saying. You got to play both sides to win it all, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. I, I agree, and – Luka Doncic is probably I mean I I'll take away the probably I think he's the best offensive player in basketball like the way the way he controls that team like you take Luka Doncic off that Mavericks team and they're maybe one of the worst teams in the league and not right? everyone like, like can crazy. play that style like exactly and LeBron and him is all we've seen exactly but then like you said like Luka doesn't really play defense right they need to cover for him on that end and they're actually a good defensive team because of the way Jason Kidd has has framed things with you know they got good defenders Dwight Powell plays hard Maxi Kleber is a pretty good defender you got Reggie Bullock on the wing Dorian Finney-Smith like they got guys to cover for Luka but when your superstar is not bringing it on that end it's like it's just tougher for him to climb the rankings when people think of best player in the world and I think over the these past few years you've seen defense get appreciated more especially with Giannis in the back-to-back MVPs I mean Jokic I guess you take a step back but he kind of falls under the Luka category of okay this guy's just his own offensive fulcrum of doing everything but I think once people start fully appreciating Tatum in the defense and I also think it's tougher because the Celtics themselves haven't really been the best defensive team but like if the Celtics get back to that top 10 defense Tatum's still doing this and averaging 30 points I I think it'll be really hard for people to look at him and say okay he's not top five because i think right now i don't think there's an argument against him being top five in the NBA. He's, he's top five for sure <laughs> he's got to be not to mention um, the team's top yeah. one yep. <laughs> yeah which and that, that, helps that, a lot. Helps yeah. That, that typically helps a lot in the mvp voting too which 
I think it's going to be a little crowded. It always is with how many yeah. great players there are out there. Like that Curry case is going to be really bulletproof if they turn it around and he's that reason why, although they're in mm-hmm. a tough spot. Um, some other guy, you know, the, I, Ryan Barandoni talks about this a lot and it really isn't talked about enough. The fact that he goes on and plays every night is should be a feather in his cap in that race. Like the totals that he amasses, you always see him like, oh, Tatum leads the league in points, like total points. And Mm-hmm. he's this and total rebounds and blah blah blah, blah. those you, you don't see those stats a lot because it's always per game but those matter because so many guys just don't play Kawhi, uh, Giannis has nights off here there Butler just missed eight straight games like across the league LeBron guys are missing all the time Tatum's never out there what was that game he took off the uh Hornets one was that Wizards. it Wizards, wizards. Which that is was big so, wasn't that so weird seeing him on the sideline in the sweatshirt you just never see that yeah very odd, especially against Beal. Like, I, I didn't think he'd miss a game against Beal. There must have had, like, so the ankle was either, yeah. Ga- games played should be a real big MVP booster, and I think it will be for him. Mm, not to get cliche, but the best ability is availability, as mm-hmm. they say. I think Sam's frozen here. He, he should be back. He, uh, <laughs> there, there you go. He'll be back. He, uh, I thought you fell asleep. <laughs> no, no, and this is what's going to happen. I'll tell you now. I'm, I won't cut this because it happens every time, and it's funny. What's going to happen is he's going to come back and he's going to complain about his Verizon internet and tell us about how no one should ever get Verizon <laughs> and how that should happen. But um, We call it Brockton yeah. Wi-Fi on the, on the Garden Report. <laughs> That'll do it, too. That'll do it, too. I, uh, I live right by Brockton. I can't confirm it. So Brockton Wi-Fi, that, uh, <laughs> that works. Um, but before Sam gets back, I might as well ask you this, but we'll get you out of here when he does. Um, you tweeted about Marcus Smart being an all-star, and we touched on it briefly. Do you think he actually has a case? Like, Do you think he could actually sneak in there? If he if he keeps rolling at the rate he did in November, and he had a tremendous November, the assists were right up around eight for the first time really ever mm-hmm. with him, and he just seems to keep getting better in that ball handling role. Um, he'll have an outside chance. He shot great in that month too, which helps. His scoring was up. He got off to that really slow start, so it was good to see him turn it around. Yeah. To even be in the conversation is super impressive. It says a lot about he, how he's even continuing to get better almost that. Uh, you know, eight years into his career now or so, whatever it's been. I don't think it'll happen, but the fact that they're this team that's sort of that juggernaut in the league that's a little bit ahead of everybody, that's usually the case for getting three guys. And there's sort of – you had the rules. I think you know them better than I do. Six guards, yeah. right? That sort of tightens it up and makes it tricky because if he was in for a Lopez or something like that, I could see that going his way. Um, but oh, the other guards in the conference, like you mentioned, a Halliburton and DeRozan mm-hmm. and all these different guys that just have these mm-hmm. gaudy stats and that people want to see at the All-Star game. I think it'll be tricky. You remember Horford had the benefit of being the big man when he squeezed in there a couple of times. Yeah, and that's exactly. just an easier field to fit into. So I think, you know, it's worth keeping an eye on now because I think his stats put him in the conversation but uh, if I had to predict whether or not he's going to be there, you kind of have to lean no. I think it'll just yeah. be Tatum and Brown. I agree. It, Welcome back, it, Sam. Oh, thank you. So Lovely it's sick. work of Verizon. <laughs> I told you. I told you it was Verizon. <laughs> it's so bad. Like, I don't even know. It might be my computer on this one because it just was saying, like, there was no internet to be detected. But now you fell asleep. Your eyes were closed. In the, in yeah, the yeah I did. I fell asleep. Oh, all right. So <laughs> you just... get six guys, right? Um, yeah. Right, Jack? So... Uh, Max, Mitchell, 
that's six guys if you use both of your reserve slots on guards, right? Because you have two guards in the starting lineup, two guards on the bench, and then two reserve, which can be anything. Well, here's the tricky thing. So in the first round, I think we can all agree he won't be there. But mm-hmm. if, if Joe's the head coach and you guys always bomb out, who's Joe going to coach at a pick other than Smart? Yeah. So yeah, that's the big you, plus you to be in the best team. But if I had to pick six right now, and again, six is the max, I think you got to go um, Halliburton. I think he has earned it. And if the Pacers stay in the play-in mix at the very least, he's been one of the best guards in basketball, I think. Um, I think you go Halliburton, Trey Young, Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell are four locks. I think they all got to be in there um, unless somebody misses time. Uh, and then I think Drew Holiday also has to be an all-star because he's been phenomenal this season with Chris Middleton out. Uh, and then at that Murray, point, he's in that yeah, league. at that point, you're getting to DeJounte. Is Jalen Brown a guard? Do you classify him as that if voters do? I wouldn't, know. Um, Brunson, I, I though, I think is in the mix. Brunson as well. Kyrie, if he plays enough games, you can't forget about. Like James Harden, if he comes back, although his injury seems like it's going to be a little bit longer. Um, Bradley Beal hasn't been great, but like if we're talking about him versus Smart, like like maybe you'll lean towards the winning, but it's, it's going to be really tough for smart to get in. I think And Tyrese Maxey too, if he carries the load while Harden's out, is going to be in the mix. Yeah. It's at least it's he's hard. in the mix though, which is something exactly. I don't know if we ever thought he would be. Um, obviously he's got the defensive play of the year now. So cool to see him what. start acting up at pecking up some accolades. I said it last summer to Jack. <laughs> I said yes. smart would be an all-star. <laughs> All right. You're late. You're near, I, you're I was late. way too early. <laughs> <laughs> but uh I, I didn't say he would i said i could see it i was like oh, yeah. i don't know like you hey, know, i i if, did i was like if he starts really throwing the ball around getting some assists you could have a conversation about it and here we are he's if, doing that and if they're like a f- 40 plus win team by the break like they're that ridiculously good like like bobby like you said like teams like that usually get three guys and if there is a third guy it's probably going to be smart on that team so yeah, and winning is winning does help. You hear that every year that the best teams are gonna get more guys. So they're they'll be in that position. Mm-hmm. Joe should be coach if they're gonna keep this one seed pace going, and mm-hmm. uh, that should benefit them as well. If some guys are injured and dropping out, which you know there always will be. But this team, man, I mean, listening to Low and Scal the other day, I think they said it like, if we're going back to March at this point now, it's four. I think they said then it was forty five and eleven over the last fifty six games and. Oof. Uh, you know, <laughs> with a win yesterday, that would be what 46 and 11. So, yeah, they're, they're on that level. Like, I don't know, we're gonna sit here in a couple of months when we're talking and just say that, like, they're the new Warriors. It's it's possible, like, it's just I don't, yeah. I, I can't fathom what they're doing right now. It's unbelievable. Even yesterday, Butler's out, you're on this win streak, they're hitting you hard with that comeback early. You think this might be the night you finally slip up and let one go, and they score 130 again and take it easily. <laughs> Like, I'm expecting yeah. them to take Fridays again now, even with Butler back. It's just mm-hmm. no teams get – we're all just waiting for Christmas when that Buck celtics matchup comes because it feels like that's <laughs> the only team on their level. That's what I was saying. I, I'm getting frustrated when they don't blow teams out now. Like, that's how much confidence <laughs> I have in the Celtics where they just feel like they are a step above everybody else. You're right, Chris. That's why post-trips should be interesting, though, right? Because, you know, they've had a little bit of a softer stretch here. Now on Sunday, you get Brooklyn, who at least has the firepower to hang with you. Mm-hmm. Um, Golden State's coming up, which is going to be really fun. Uh, the Lakers yep. and Clippers, just some different teams than ones you've seen so far. So I'm really mm-hmm. excited for that. I'm actually going out to San Fran and L.A. for those three Ooh. games. So 
uh, that's going to be really exciting. Like those are those are some fun games. And then you have Phoenix and uh, whoever else is mixed in there too. Toronto, I think, plays you pretty good. So yep. this next six seven games here, uh, including Kelly. Butler's return on Friday, are going to be yeah big tests. Yeah, I'm excited. I know Sam's not. He'd rather the Hornets <laughs> game. <laughs> I, I, I think it'll be fun to watch. Stay up late. Sam's ready for that magic. Anyway. Sam's ready for that magic mini series. I would love a uh, playoff series against the Magic. Actually, <laughs> imagine. I'm counting um, miserable got, in the playoffs. I'm gonna just say, but before we wrap here, you guys in yeah. that man, they let Bowl Bowl camp. Like, do you think no. they really? No, I I don't think there was any like. It's not. It's not like he was suiting up for you and like, like the he gave thing. you any sample he wasn't, size. It wasn't gonna get a chance. I don't I, think. Like I'm the Struce thing, big, you could be more mad at. But I'm big time out on being like they didn't like give this guy the right chance. I just I I think there's a lot of situational opportunity. Like you say, mm-hmm. Jack, he wasn't playing here. He wasn't. And this he team can, went to the finals. Starts in Orlando. Yeah. yeah, and he's good. I mean, you gotta give him credit. Orlando's like... the place where you find that kind of thing. Like yeah. somebody yes. finds that they have their their feet under them that they didn't know before. Which is why it's so impressive for the Celtics to find guys like Hauser because they have to find them in their limited roles, and Hauser's kind of our. Well, even then, if Gallinari doesn't get hurt, you don't know how much Hauser's playing. Uh, very true. Also, very true. And they I guess that's, you, uh, you know, to that point, Pritchard too, who we didn't mention here in the show. Like on top of everything mm-hmm. else, him sneaking in for those four or five games there and being as good as you possibly could have expected was was uh, was awesome too. Huge. And, it's been a lot of talk about trade him, keep him. They'll have an extension question with him next summer. It's good having him around and ready for if Brogdon gets hurt, if Smart's hurt. Bro- Smart's dealing with so many injuries right now. I don't know what's going on there, but uh, he's he's got that yeah. right ankle still. The, the oblique just never seems to go away. So you need Pritchard in there, I think, for depth purposes. Yeah, and he's one of those guys. Like, if you talk about Grant being a potential, you know, fatality of ex- contract extensions and too much money, like Pritchard, you got to imagine is even lower on that totem pole. So it's tough for him. And I guess you'll just kind of have to see what happens. But it's sad. Before- he's he's legitimately good. He's like serviceable. He if he's on like any other team, he's playing. I agree. I it's think tough. Bill Simmons said he'd play like 30 minutes on the Lakers. He would. <laughs> he'd be perfect he for them because he can shoot. <laughs> mm-hmm. I agree. They've got their own problems going on. But before we let you go here, the last thing I promise is how much do you care or not care about the prince and princess being at the Celtics game against the were you there, Jack? I don't know. I wasn't. I'm, I'll be there tomorrow, but I wasn't there. Trevor was there for Celtics vlog against the Heat uh, yesterday. I was so confused because there was a lot of reporters there, and I guess they came over from Britain. I didn't really understand <laughs> what the Prince of Wales was. Like I thought it was actually like Wales, but it's yeah, it's it's what William and Kate or whoever. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. I know of them. I'm not into that stuff. I'm yeah, Irish. No. You know, there's a whole thing there, but I think Americans in general, it just sort of stuns me that there's that captivation with them. Um, it's so weird. I don't right? get it. And I, and I yeah, like England, and I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, like it's almost the opposite. Yeah, we were talking to Adam Taylor in the Slackjack, and he's like, "Oh yeah, a lot of England, they're not into it." But here in America, where you think it'd be the opposite, there's sort of more fascination, and like you get the TV shows and everything, and they don't need. You know, I'm not even gonna go to the Queen. Do you see the picture whatever. the mayor put out of, of all of them in the front row and Wick could not care less? <laughs> like Wick, Wick is yeah. watching the game and then they're all taking a selfie and Wick is in the back, but he's just like focused <laughs> on the game. He's not paying attention to what's going on with the family. And I know people tweeted that I didn't really notice it in real time. I thought it was weird that they showed them on the Jumbotron and then they cut it off quick, but there were booze raining down when they put them on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Well, you get well. You were there, Jack. You were home yesterday because you weren't at the game. Mm-hmm. But on the broadcast, they were on the screen as much as the Celtics. Oh, uh, yeah. They kept I cutting mean, to them. This is the greatest. Is. Look at this. <laughs> Look at Wick. He doesn't care. He no, I will say Wick was very excited to have that stage and the photo up and everything. That was just, I think, a yeah, bad yeah. photo of him. But um, I don't know. I don't know much about them. I guess they're doing a lot of climate change work or whatever, and that's sort of what they're here for. But again, it's yeah, I not guess they for flew me. commercial because yeah, they thought it'd be hypocritical to take a, a like a, a first class jet. flight or, yeah, or yeah, went over there. Jet. Look at him over there. Yeah. No, I'll tell you, he was thrilled. But again, it was really funny that Joe had that line about Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, and Brown was rolling his eye. I don't know what yeah. people would they think the players were going to be doing backflips over there. They're more excited to yeah, see. Tatum uh, was. Was he? Was he? Oh, I don't know. Boy. He was shaking their hand, and <laughs> he was all over it, man. I mean, he He's he was he probably he had, had to. to be. Yeah, you know, they probably like that's... went up to him and were like, "You have to do this." Yeah. <laughs> Is he Derek? Seem... That does seem like more of a Tatum thing than a Brown thing, though. It's funny that they asked Brown because, you know, knowing Brown and his his whole thing, like the, the, those are not the people he's excited. <laughs> no. No. Not at all. And yet Derek White, he was like, they he, they were like, he had to get shuffled out of the way because they were coming through the players' town. He goes, yeah, I was confused. I didn't know what the hell was going well, that's on. A, the media was, I guess certain people in the media that were there were like treating it like it was going to be this really like exciting thing for the players. And like all of us know it's not like yeah, <laughs> yeah like they're what our is... age yeah like they don't care again <laughs> they're more excited to see uh bia and ozuna and whoever else has been showing up to these games uh recently um i, I got to meet west side gun there the other day like yeah. that's more exciting for these guys than the the, the prince of england <laughs> i'm like the biggest hater ever like i don't hate them i just like don't care so much I just that's don't where i'm at yeah yeah it doesn't make sense i don't get it but anyways uh we've gone over your 45 minutes that we mentioned so i apologize for that but thank you bobby uh for joining us we greatly appreciate it you want to uh it's on the screen if you're watching on youtube which you should be at real bob manning but you want to let everybody else know where they can find all your stuff yeah we're, we're at celtics bar both of us of course um clns media is where i'm right night in night out about the team uh we're pretty much there every night covering and of course like i said we'll be on the west coast trip there too and every saturday at boston sports journal and uh, of course check out the new dome theory podcast over on clns media on youtube and uh we are live on the post game show every night on youtube so that's there as well yes sir if you're listening to us you know bobby go check out all that stuff we always talk about you when you're not here we always (laughs) of the show bobby yeah yeah it's always fun being on guys anytime appreciate it thank you but uh yeah thank you all for listening and i'll let sam wrap it up yeah thank you very much for listening or watching if you're on youtube you're on guy boston or the how about them celtics pod you should be on the second one jack will push it as much as he can but make sure you subscribe there and leave a like leave a comment talk to us we're climbing up the ranks of the subscribers almost at 150 pretty good <laughs> if you're on the streaming services follow us leave a nice review say some nice things or don't um but <laughs> Again, follow Bobby at Real Bob Manning on Twitter. He's great to us. He's a great friend, always willing to hop on the show with us. Check him out on CLNS at Celtics Blog, Boston Sports Journal. Jack at Jack Smone NBA. He's doing all kinds of stuff. Hard work over there from Jack. He's tweeting during the game. Spoiled Mondays for me a bit. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and you can follow me at Sam LaFrance NBA. I'm putting stuff out on Houdini. All right, we're back. That's our show for today. Bye. Check, check, go.